Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Last week, we heard St. Paul say what we all know to be true. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. O wretched man, O wretched woman that I am. Now, I doubt that many of us are actually engaged in doing evil, but we are certainly familiar with this conflict we sometimes encounter between our best intentions and what we actually do or do not do. Have we not, at one time or another, vowed to be more patient with our spouses or with our children, only to lose our patience and perhaps even to say something unkind that we later regret? Or what about those New Year's resolutions? How have you done with your resolutions these past seven months? Now, of course, in fairness, some of our resolutions have gotten derailed by COVID. So much for going to the gym every day. So much for those continuing education classes. The list goes on. We may even on occasion feel rather wretched about what we perceive to be our failures. In response to his own lament, the eighth chapter of Romans begins with this comforting promise. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. St. Paul was no stranger to condemnation. Prior to his conversion on the road to Damascus, when Paul was still Saul, he was condemning Christians to their deaths. Saul had approved of Stephen's death by stoning, and in the Acts of the Apostles, we are told that on the very day of Stephen's death, a severe persecution began against all the church in Jerusalem. Saul was ravaging the church by entering house after house, dragging off both men and women and committing them to prison. And once Saul had been converted and was known as Paul, he was on the receiving end of condemnation. During the year Paul arrived in Rome, he was imprisoned and put under house arrest for two years. Four of his epistles were written while he was imprisoned, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. And finally, he was condemned to death. Although the exact circumstances of his death are not known, a tradition holds that he was beheaded in Rome perhaps as part of the executions of Christians ordered by the Emperor Nero following the Great Fire in the year 64. 
Now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If this is the case, then what are we to make of what we will say in just a few minutes when we recite the Nicene Creed? On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Why be judged if there is no condemnation? Why? Because the two are not synonymous. The dictionary definition of judgment is an opinion or a decision that is based on careful thought. The act or process of forming an opinion or making a decision, the act of judging something or someone, the ability to make good decisions about what should be done. Whereas condemnation involves censure, denunciation, rebuke, reprimand, and reproach. Each one of us will stand before the judgment seat of God. Hopefully, we will hear God say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. But even if those are the words we hear said about us, none of us will escape the other side of the equation. And that is what St. Paul says in an earlier chapter of Romans. There is no one who is righteous, no, not one since all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We might all deserve condemnation, but instead Paul says that we are justified by God's grace as gift through the redemption of Christ Jesus. Rather than getting what we deserve, we will be the recipients of God's unbounded grace and love. Our sentence has been commuted, and we have already been pardoned because Jesus died for each one of us. Jesus was raised to new life, and so will we be. I hope that you all have been listening to John's podcasts, Calm Words for Anxious Hearts. What a perfect title for what we have all been feeling to one degree or another since March. We have been in need of calm and hopeful words because our hearts are anxious and we are living through a particularly anxious time. Texas is one of the new hotspots for the coronavirus. Our hospitals are filling to capacity and we daily weigh both our need for safety and our need for connection. We had hoped that during July we would be able to regather again for worship together, even if somewhat altered. We have not been able to do so. And now the conversation is focused on what happens with respect to the start of the next school year, again weighing both the need for safety for students, teachers, and families, and for the need for connection and friendship and the enrichment that happens best in a classroom. Our hearts are anxious, and we are in desperate need for calm words. We are in desperate need of hope and promises. 
we need to be reminded on a daily basis of what St. Julian of Norwich said, all shall be well and all manner of things shall be well. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The eighth chapter of Romans is full of hope and of the promises that we are so hungry for. There is no condemnation. Condemnation implies reproach, separation, and punishment. But St. Paul reminds us that we have all been adopted as children of God who are joint heirs with Christ. As adopted children, we can cry, Abba, Father, that term of address for a loving father. Paul reminds us that what we hope for is not yet seen. Hope that is seen is not hope. He promises us that the Spirit will help us in our weakness. And which of us is not feeling weak and vulnerable during these times? He acknowledges that there are times we simply do not know how to pray, but says the Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. It may be the case that our prayers are just deep sighs. And so at the end of Romans 8, Paul returns to his opening theme, that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. He writes, who will bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? It is Christ Jesus who died. Yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed interceded for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Our gospel reading this morning is the parable of the sower. A sower goes out to sow, rather indiscriminately. Some seed falls on the path where the birds eat it. Some fell on rocky ground without much depth of soil, so the young plants were scorched by the sun. Some fell among thorns and were choked. But other seeds fell on good soil and produced an abundance of grain. Jesus then explained the parable. The rocky ground is the person who hears the word of God, receives it with joy until trouble comes and then falls away. The thorns are the ones who hear the word but are choked by the cares of the world and the lure of wealth. But as for seeds sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it and bears fruit. During these anxious and troubled times, we are given the promise that nothing can separate us 
from the love of Christ. We are not like the person on rocky ground who falls away because of the present trouble. And while we might all be feeling a bit scorched in this summer's Texas heat, we won't be choked by the cares of this world. Rather, we need to know ourselves as those who have been planted in the good soil of God's love and care. St. Paul offers us words of Christian comfort and assurance this morning. He says that only those with the power to accuse or condemn God or his son are in fact the very ones who protect us. The only potential accusers of any significance are our benefactors. And so we have nothing to fear. Whatever happens to us, be that tribulation or anxiety or famine or poverty, they are not indicators of God's displeasure. When things go badly, it's not because God has abandoned or deserted us. The promise that we can hold on to, even in these anxious times, is that God is with us and God is for us. There is absolutely nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. One of my favorite gospel songs is Jesus Dropped the Charges. Um, You're lucky that I will not be singing that, but let me tell you the lyrics. I was guilty of all the charges, doomed and disgraced, but Jesus with his special love saved me by his grace. He pleaded and he pleaded and he pleaded my case. Jesus dropped the charges. Now I am saved through grace and faith. I was guilty for so long, lived in sin too long, but Jesus with his special love reached out with arms so strong. He picked me up, turned me around, and gave me a brand new song. Jesus dropped the charges, and to him I now belong. Amen.